0: Hey, 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 this is Hard Pressed Hope, where we share stories from the difficult road, always with a bent toward hope. I'm your host, Catherine, and today, Kate and I are joined by Kate's sister, Hannah. We hope you find her story of international adoption so encouraging. She is so full of wisdom, and her story reminds us of what dedication looks like in the midst of hard things. We're glad you're joining us today.
1: Hey, Hannah, welcome.
0: Hi, thanks for having me. Hannah, can you... Can you tell everybody what happened last week at this same exact time a week ago? What were you doing?
1: Yeah, (laughs) Hannah. How would you share? (laughs) Hannah had just sent me a text (laughs) that said, I'm setting up my mic, getting all organized. But what day was it, Hannah?
2: (laughs) A week too early,
1: but better (laughs) early than late. We like to start our podcast making the guests feel super organized and good about themselves. Not (laughs) frantic at all. (laughs) So, Hannah is my older sister by 18 months, and we're good friends, though she lives far away. Hannah, while I'm up in the snow out here in Wisconsin, Hannah's down in Hawaii right now. So, she lives down there with her husband and their two kids. And today we're going to hear um, from Hannah a little bit about her adoption journey and her family and how she navigates all of that. So, Catherine, uh, where do you want to begin? Well, I'd like to begin
0: just kind of the for Hannah and Tuba. Do you do you mind to explain why we call your husband Tuba? Because I don't think we can just like pass that up and call him Tuba <laughs> without <laughs> explaining.
2: Yeah, sure, of course. <laughs> It always takes an explanation. So uh, my husband goes by Tuba. He is a musician for the Navy. And um, his name is actually Christopher. There's always way too many Christophers. So somewhere along the line of his career, he became known as Tuba. So when I met him, introduced to him, it was Tuba from the beginning. So Tuba it is. Yeah.
1: And just for clarity, Tuba does play the tuba. Oh,
2: yeah. He does play the tuba.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's not a two, his name isn't too but He plays uh,
2: playing the banjo. trumpet. Actually, he does
1: play the banjo. He's, he is very talented. He probably could play every instrument. So um, go ahead, Catherine.
0: Well, just tell us about wherever you'd like to start in the beginning of your adoption journey, whether that's when you decided to adopt or when you started pursuing it, wherever you're comfortable starting, we'd like to to hear that, especially for our listeners who are Considering that as a possibility now or down the road?
2: Sure. So um, again, uh, my, I'm Hannah and my husband is Tuba. We have two children. Both of them are adopted. Our kids are biological siblings from India and our son Mukesh is now eight and Poonjan is now six. She's our daughter. So um I have always wanted to adopt since I was pretty young um probably around 8 or 9 or so and I first really understood what adoption is and what that means. I used to petition my parents to adopt and come up with ways that the rest of us could share rooms or how we could make it work um in order to adopt. Do you remember that Katie?
1: Yeah, totally. I'm just <laughs> I I haven't thought about that in 25 years.
2: So um That passion to adopt continued all the way through high school. By the time um, I met Tuba and we started dating, I basically said to him, I'm going to adopt, so get on board or (laughs) "No, we're not going to get married. Tuba and I, we had always hoped to have biological children at some point, but we were very, very intentional in our decision to pursue adoption first. Uh, There are several reasons for that, but... Mm -hmm. The primary one being that we wanted our adopted children to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we were choosing adoption and choosing them intentionally um, and first. So yeah, we got married back in 2010 and two years after that, we officially began the adoption process.
1: Wow. Now, so two years after that and, and, where did you even know how to first embark? How, what direction did you first go in?
2: So we knew early on in the beginning that we wanted to pursue an international adoption. Uh, the main reason for that is that Tuba and I both love, love, love learning about different cultures and languages, different ways of life. That's something that we have always both been interested in. Uh, fun fact, Tuba learned Russian uh, when we were dating to impress me because I had studied Russian. Uh, so we like just learned it.
1: After you made that decision to pursue international adoption, where'd you go? What'd you do?
2: Um, so at the time when we began researching and looking and thinking about which country we'd like to adopt from, we found our choices really limited based on all these different restrictions. So at the end of it, really for us, it came down to a process of elimination and really the only country that was open at the time and that we were eligible for was for Ethiopia. So we actually began our adoption process pursuing an adoption from Ethiopia. Clearly, that is not where we ended up.
0: So tell us about uh, with Ethiopia, how long were you on that list? You know, this is coming from the other side that we we know where the story ended with with kids in India, but how long were you on that list? And- what did that particular part of your adoption journey look like?
2: It was miserable. It was not easy. It was not um not fun, absolutely worth it in the end, of course, but it was not not a an easy process. Our adoption took over five and a half years from the time when we officially started. We had already spent, you know, two years praying, reading, thinking, talking, planning. To adopt, and then when we finally began, it was another five and a half years before we actually had children in our home and in our family. So mm-hmm. it was a long process.
1: So, what kept you going? It, what, despite these difficulties that came in the paperwork and the um, the extra steps because you lived other places and the hardship of um, you know borders closing or, or things like that, what kept what kept you going for five years? What sustained you?
2: A couple things sustained us in our journey. I think um one, of course, is just having the confidence that we really felt so strongly that this is what God wanted for us, Um, that he had put this desire in my heart from such a young age that Tuba had now totally embraced, um, embraced it. God had also laid it on his heart. So we felt very much like no question that this is what we were supposed to do. So that was the main... Mm-hmm motivator to keep to keep going. Another thing is in, in a very tangible and practical way, we kept seeing God open doors, which is ironic because a lot of doors also shut along the way. <laughs> yeah. But um, we had so many tangible times when we could see God at work in our story. So for example, a big way that God kept showing up for us specifically was financially. Um, we don't ha- make a lot of money as a military family. We didn't have a lot of money and adoption is pretty expensive, can be, Mm -hmm. can be expensive. And um, as we ended up having to switch programs from Ethiopia to India, we ended up losing all the money we had spent up to that point um, and starting all over. And continuously, just when another payment was needed, somebody would provide that money for us. Um, so it was really, really amazing to see God work in that ways. And that was hugely encouraging.
1: Maybe you can tell us about that, that that closure and opening of a new direction.
2: Sure. So we had been actively in the adoption process for three and a half years. And during that time, um, we had completed all the paperwork. We had gotten our dossier, which for those who don't know, it's just a stack of paperwork that goes to the country once you have been approved on the American side. So all the paperwork gets sent over to Ethiopia. We had been approved. We had been waiting for a full year and we were finally up to first on the waiting list. So we were to be the next family to be matched with children. Oh, I should also mention at this point that from the very beginning, we always wanted to adopt siblings. Um, That was Mm -hmm. something else that we felt very strongly about. We wanted to have uh children who had somebody else that shared their culture that shared their background that looked like them, especially in an international adoption so that was a very intentional choice. we were always pursuing siblings from the very mm-hmm. beginning so um so as I said we had been first on the wait list and the Ethiopian adoption process just kept slowing down and slowing down and slowing down uh, we just kept holding out hope that if we could only be matched with the children, that everything after that would move along quicker. Um, But it came about in 2015 that all of our paperwork was about to expire for the second time. So we were about to go through the entire rigmarole of all of the paperwork, all of the home studies, flying in a social worker again for the third time. And our Mm -hmm. agency said, we can't let you do it. And we really fought against them.
1: What What was their reasoning?
2: So in their experience, they could see that there was a problem. Something was happening in Ethiopia that the process, well, it is notoriously slow and difficult. It should not be this slow and this difficult. And all of the warning Mm -hmm. flags that they were seeing pop up and they said, we just you cannot do this. You need to switch countries. You need to pick a different program. We need to go in a different direction. Um, And they Mm, that's heartbreaking. Yes, it was absolutely heartbreaking because we had spent three and a half years at this point, absolutely pouring ourselves into Ethiopia. We had yeah, the studying learned, the
1: culture of in Ethiopia, yep, that's right. Studying
2: the culture, learning to cook Amharic, food. Right? Amharic mm-hmm. yes, that's the language. We learned how to sing Twinkle Twinkle in Amharic. Um, yeah. So just falling in love with the country and the language and the customs, looking forward to incorporating all of that into our family once our kids came home. Um, and you know, just the, just dreaming and the vision that you expect for your future family was now we were being told, nope, there's no way you can do this.
0: When that happened, were you like, was there ever an option of like just being done?
2: I will say that it was absolutely devastating. I think our overwhelming feeling was just exhaustion, um, And not understanding God's purpose in all of this, not wanting to start, because to switch programs, you can't just like say, Okay, never mind, we switch to India. Everything has to be done entirely over again from scratch.
1: Yeah, and you don't and you don't start first in line in India.
2: No, no, no. Starting completely over again. So the it essentially invalidated the entire previous Three and a half years. But also, so it was never really a question for us about giving up entirely. Because as I had said, it was so strongly on our hearts that this was the plan for us. So we were very frustrated and very angry, even, I would say, but just at the thought of having to start all over again. (laughs) Really did not want to have to start Uh all over again. You know, we never had a backup plan, it was just always Ethiopia from the beginning. So that was the big decision at mm-hmm. that point. Now what? Now where do we turn? Where are we going to turn our hearts towards?
0: How did you get there?
2: So we wanted to stay working with our current adoption agency because they had been great and we really enjoyed working with them, and valued their expertise. And at the same time, we were very gun-shy from all these different international programs. We basically asked them, what are your two strongest, most reliable programs? And they said, well, you could adopt from India or from China. And so we spent two weeks praying about it, thinking about it, and ultimately, pretty quickly, settled on India. It was a very short time after that, maybe within a month, that Ethiopia did officially close. So our agency was right. They had read all of those warning signs correctly. Mm-hmm. It was good advice to switch um, when we did. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. And so from the from the point you chose India to when you were able to adopt your kids, how, how long of a time period was that?
2: It was two and a half years from the time we started till the time yeah. we brought them home. And of that time, we were matched with the children and waiting to go get them for a year.
0: Mm. You knew you knew their
1: names right
0: for a year.
2: Yes before we could go. So get So that them. that's
1: a whole different kind of waiting, right? Like to wait for the unknown, which you did for a while, and then to wait with the known, like you knew these kids were coming and from where and yes. Would there, was there anything specific that you did to hold out hope?
2: Yep. So um, as I said, we had been matched with the kids and we received very, very little information when we received the referral. In most cases, you're supposed to get all of their background information, medical information, information about their personalities, everything like this. Um, For us, we received almost nothing. We knew the children's names and we knew the birthdays that the orphanage had assigned them. Absolutely no background information, no medical information. We didn't even have pictures of them right away. Fortunately for Tube and I, we had already decided, I mean, by this point it had been five years. And so we had already decided in our hearts and in our minds that we were going to accept whichever children we were referred. There, it didn't matter what information we were given.
0: So Hannah, I am thinking about people listening who are considering adoption, but are just absolutely overwhelmed by all of the waiting and details and just the process that you just described. So, and Kate and I were talking the other day about the hesitation to do fostering or adopting because of the sacrifices and things required. So do you mind to talk a little bit about that and what you've learned and gained in the process?
2: Sure. I would not sugarcoat a lot of it. Um, You need to go into adoption or foster care (laughs) or any sort of trauma work with um, your eyes wide open, with a lot of knowledge, a lot of um, healthy dose of reality, what is going to be involved, what it's going to take. Mm And then also holding that with the also very true knowledge and reality that it is absolutely worth it in the end and worth it to the children Mm -hmm. um, whose lives you are affecting and impacting. Um, I do not think it's helpful to tell parents yeah, it's no problem. It's easy. You just fill out some paperwork and, you know, wait a little while, carry on with your life in the meantime, because it's definitely not easy. But the best things in life that are worthwhile are not always easy.
0: What did you see change or grow or how did this process affect your relationship with Tuba?
2: Well, for us, for Tuba and I, I think it strengthened our relationship because we were both fully on board. We were both fully committed and so because of that we were able to forge ahead together um at times when i felt weak and was ready to quit and just throw it all away tuba you know would be strong and say no we need to carry on and press forward and it will be worth it and this is what we are called to do mm-hmm. just keep going he would take his turn with the paperwork you know um and at times when he was ready to yeah. quit then i would be strong <laughs> so Um, I think that adoption would be immensely difficult if both spouses are not entirely on board, are not fully committed, are not willing to run the long race that it is. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, it was immensely helpful for us to have the support of our extended family and friends. We had a very good support network. (laughs) Yes, special shout out. Kate to- would like
0: <laughs> everyone to stop and clap for her.
1: <laughs> yes, I'm waving my hands. So that's what I want to
0: talk about is those people who are not in a place where they're feeling like adoption is for them right now. We won't write it off, um, but right now that's just not where they are. Um, if they know somebody, h- how do you how do you walk alongside somebody who is or a couple? who is in the adoption process. How do you do that? Well,
2: um, my friends and our family was, were a complete lifeline to us during the process. Um, mostly through prayer and encouraging words. I know that we were so touched, like I mentioned before, when people supported us financially, just helped us with the actual logistics, um, the fun part later, mm-hmm. you know, when, when we actually knew the kids' names and genders, mm-hmm. um, showing us practically their excitement for our family, you know, in in buying gifts for the kids or helping us to prepare for them.
1: Oh, yeah. We did a baby shower.
2: We did. We did a online virtual yeah, baby shower fun. for the kids. Um, one of the most touching moments for us was right when we were switching, you know, we had just been told that we had to leave the Ethiopia program that we needed to switch, that that wasn't going to happen. And we were feeling absolutely crushed and absolutely disheartened. Some dear friends of ours, um, in our church, they immediately gave us a check for a thousand dollars. And in the card with the check, they said, we will have faith and we will have hope while you have none. And, um, it was not only so That's awesome. supportive emotionally, like we were very much struggling with what is God doing? What is the plan? What is the purpose? What is the reason for this? Why have we just wasted all of these years? Um, we really were struggling to see the purpose, to see the good and to have hope in that moment. And not only did they just show up with words of encouragement and hope, but real practical, tangible like here's a thousand dollars to get you started again, um, mm-hmm. and that was a moment that I will you know remember forever, and just the difference that that made for us. So um, to anyone who is a friend, a family member, supporting other people who are in the process, or um, bringing kids home, you know, just to be that support, encouragement, to have hope when the family is struggling, particularly um, really makes all the difference.
1: Mm -hmm. I know we talked a lot about the process of working towards adoption. Do you feel like when your kids came home that that was the end or a beginning or both?
2: Our children have been home now for three years. Um, and in some ways it feels like they just came home yesterday. And in some ways it feels like they've been here forever and ever. Um, the adoption process itself is very, very much just the beginning of a lifetime together, a lifetime of healing, of growing, of learning, of being a family, um, and all incredibly worth it. Mm-hmm. Hannah, is
0: there anything else that you wanted to cover today Um, that we didn't? So
2: one part of my children's stories, which I think is so beautiful and I return to over and over again, and it gives me so much, um, you know, looking back, it's easy to see what God was doing um while you're going through the process you know it's confusing it doesn't make sense it's hard it's difficult but we know that god does have a purpose and god does have a plan for everything and so the big thing for us is when as i mentioned when we began the process the only country we were eligible for was ethiopia and god had to just keep us kind of in that holding pattern in order for the timing to be right, to be matched with the children that he wanted Mm -hmm. for us. Um, Mm
0: -hmm. When
2: we began the adoption program, Mukesh wasn't even born yet. Punjan wasn't born yet. We weren't eligible old enough for the India Mm -hmm. program, but we were so certain that we were starting the adoption process, you know? And so we were just in this like holding pattern for three and a half years. And then, God clearly shifted us and said, Okay, now the time is right. Now your children are born. Now they are in the orphanage. Now they are ready. You are ready. Um, you know, and so looking back, you can say, Oh, now I see what God is doing. Um mm-hmm. when at the time Turns out. none of that is <laughs> imagine that he knows what he's doing. He has a plan <laughs> and a purpose. Um so and then yeah. the beautiful part for our children. And our family specifically is Mukesh and Punjan are from a city in India called Varanasi. And it is a famous city. You will see it all the time when you read or look at anything about India. It's a city right on the Ganges River, the Ganga River. And it is the holiest city for Hindus. It is um, the city of death. Um, And the reason it's the holy city is because the Hindus believe that if you die in Varanasi and are immediately cremated and your ashes put into the river, that it is such a holy place that you get to skip all of the levels of reincarnation and are immediately deified. Um, So as a result of that, people who are old or sick or dying all flock to the city so it is literally a city mm. of um, of darkness and of death. And it is so beautiful to mm-hmm. us how God has redeemed our children's broken story and their broken background to bring them out of the city of death and totally redeemed and restored their life and set them on a new path and has a plan and a purpose for them as individuals and for us as a family. And so it's just a really beautiful mm. to see how mm-hmm. God can take what is broken and what is um what is dead and restore and redeem and renew Mm -hmm. and all for his glory. Mm, Hannah, that's beautiful. I love
1: that.
0: The last question that we ask everybody is what's exciting in life?
2: All right. Well, as um, we mentioned earlier, my husband and I and our family are stationed here in Hawaii. And um, that's pretty exciting. We are here for three years and we are just trying to thoroughly enjoy our time here. We spend our days exploring the beaches and hikes Mm -hmm. and just genuinely enjoying life here. Awesome. What's your favorite thing to do? The beaches. My kids are so content at the beach. We can just spend hours and hours there. Yeah,
0: I think I'd be fine with that.
2: (laughs) Yep, for sure. Thanks for
0: joining us today, Hannah. Thank you for having me. Hey guys, thanks for listening. We hope
1: you found Hannah's story encouraging and we'll catch you next time.